The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they, did, so they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. For the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. May the words that I speak and the thoughts and reflections of our minds and hearts transform us to be light and life in your world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, wine and grain were staple foods uh, for the people of Israel. They are essentials for us in the sacred meal that we share together each week. The cultivation of the vineyard was a labor of love. And the harvest of treading the grape, the harvest and treading of the grapes, was a celebratory event to which family and friends were also invited to assist. But it wasn't all hard work. Family and friends were also invited to share in the wine that was eventually produced. Wine was to be enjoyed. It served to foster cohesion in, in communities and families, and it was meant to be a source of enjoyment. This water into wine story has rich meaning woven all through it. I'm going to share with you what, what one commentator has written. Tramping the foothills of biblical scholarship, one is often tempted to stray from the beaten track and nowhere more so than exploring the marriage feast of Cana when one can easily find oneself waist high in Bracken, or we might say in Lantana. This episode is crammed with teasing little problems. So as fascinating as those teasing little problems are, I'd love to go down some of those rabbit holes, we won't. We're going to try and stay on the beaten track. This is the first of seven stories in John's Gospel where Jesus facilitates some kind of miraculous event. 
and the gospel writer calls them signs. Their purpose is to reveal Jesus' glory. In John chapter 1, we are so very eloquently introduced to Jesus Christ as the creative word of God, present in the beginning with God. And then the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. We heard those words only a few weeks ago. Glory, simply put, signifies or conveys the presence of God. And the presence of God is always characterized by grace and truth. What's grace? Well, that's probably another sermon. But think of what gracious looks like in people or in actions. Think of what generous looks like. Grace is the gifting of our best selves to others. The gifting of our best selves to others. Jesus' glory wasn't really revealed in his power to transform water into wine. It was in the generous provision of very excellent wine. That the wine-filled six stone water jars used whose use was the um, Jewish rites of purification, certainly suggests that Jesus was fulfilling all that the Jewish religion required and was anticipating. The old traditions receive new purpose. As Messiah, from whose fullness we have all received, it's like Jesus becomes the bridegroom host who provides abundantly for the wedding guests. This water into wine story reveals Jesus' ongoing creative activity as the divine one who is fully humanly present in the world. Jesus is at a wedding with family and friends, which, by the way, was a week-long event. But what better way to emphasize that the word was made flesh and lived among us than at a wedding where the unity of spirit and flesh are affirmed and celebrated. This water into wine story flags that there are new things to come. It's an extravagant miracle revealing Jesus' glory. It's an exceptional life in abundance story. And what's not to love about that? Commentators equate the volume of water in the six purification jars as hundreds and hundreds of bottles of wine. Yet surely this important story carries more weight than simply recounting a random act of kindness by God to save an embarrassed bridegroom from the shame of running out of wine. There's an underlying discomfort and weightiness threaded throughout the story. Did you feel it? As the mother of an adult son, I certainly did. I can picture myself stepping into problem-solving mode at a family gathering and asking my son, who I adore and I think can do anything, asking him for a favor to help right some unexpected and awkward problem. 
And I can feel him, I can see him in my mind's eye, looking back at me with a particular look that says, Mum, seriously. For some reason, Jesus distances himself from his mother. Note that Jesus' mother isn't named in the story. And says, my hour has not yet come. They are ominous words. In the closing chapters of John, Jesus says, the hour has come when you, my disciples, will be scattered because of persecution and Jesus himself will be glorified in his death. Yet Jesus' mother has the confidence because she knows her son to turn to the people serving and say, do whatever he tells you. She clearly had some authority to do so. Perhaps she was a relative of the groom. That's one of those rabbit holes we won't go down. For years, I've attended an annual retreat at Santa Teresa Spirituality Centre at Ormiston on the Bay in Brisbane. It's a requirement of all clergy in our diocese that we go on an annual retreat. Santa Teresa is a really beautiful property and over the years various gardens and sculptures have been developed as to aid the retreatants in their prayer and reflection. I particularly connect with this sculpture where Mary, let's call her by her name, is presented as a strong and mature woman. From her open stance, she extends an invitation. Do whatever he tells you. Last November, I was at Santa Teresa leading a retreat for hospital chaplaincy coordinators in our diocese. Each day of the retreat, I sat and prayed beside this sculpture to seek God's guidance, to hear what was needed so that I could do what was needed. And as I facilitated the sessions, I was aware of God's leading, not through an audible voice, but with heightened awareness of the needs of each participant and the direction that we needed to take. God's glory, God's presence, led us all into grace and truth. John makes the point in this water into wine story that in the midst of the grinding and messy run of human life, God's presence is transformative and gracious. Yet if we see this simply, this story simply as a story about abundance of life in Christ alone, we miss the mark. We do find ourselves off track. Our interpretation can become very self-focused and very self-serving. We want the good life and we want Jesus to somehow be a part of that. Way more wine at a wedding than is necessary does seem frivolous, irresponsible even. This first sign is not feeding the starving, but rather providing wine to those who may already be just a little bit tipsy. How audacious and surprising of God through Jesus to do this. There is discomfort in that. You see, nobody actually looked for Jesus until the wine ran out. That, that Jesus, the Messiah, the Word made flesh, is simply a dispenser of nice things and good times is ridiculous. It's diminishing of who Jesus is 
of all he came to do. However, this leads us to asking some really difficult and uncomfortable questions. In a world where millions of people don't have clean water, let alone fine wine, where is the extravagance of God? In a world where desperate mothers must say to their children, we have no food, or it's not safe to stay here, why has the hour not yet come? In a world where children play in bomb craters the size of 30-gallon wine jars, why is there reluctance on God's part to step in? Passages about God's extravagance and divine abundance can make God's apparent absence in places of poverty or danger to be even more stark. So how then do we authentically navigate the tension created by the conviction that God absolutely doesn't want our religious life to be so holy that we can't enjoy it, while at the same time to be mindful and aware of the reality of life in our world and be committed to serving. Our life as Christian community is to be enjoyed. Jesus does make that really clear. And I can't wait till we can share grain and wine together again at the Eucharist. Won't it be great when the church can get back to its business of welcoming people around food and drink and storytelling, where we can have church lunches and dinners and young people can go on camps and we can sing and tell stories and laugh and cry together till our hearts are content. One author calls this Cana Grace. Cana Grace reveals God's glory. Cana Grace is generous and inclusive. It includes you and me and everyone who would like to belong. Everyone, everyone is invited to participate in Cana Grace. And I hope that the time will come when we're able to joyfully welcome anyone who would like to come and join us, anyone who would like to come to worship, to visit or serve in our op shops, to be part of our weekday groups, to celebrate their story, to come so that we can care for their needs and to love them. I look forward to the day when we will be willing for our religious traditions, the things that have become familiar and comfortable and give our religious observance some structure to be reshaped and repurposed so that more people can participate in our weekly worship and in the life of our church community throughout the week. Online church is a great example of being able to welcome others in new ways. And we've had to give up some things here in the building so that others can worship with us. And that's been a great thing. Some people are really missing that we can't have our candlelit service on Christmas Eve where it's really dark in here except for the candles. But we need to have some, some ambient light to be able to live stream and share that service with more people. There's a time when we had a larger choir at 7.30 and a bigger music team at 9.30. We've had to reshape that so that we can offer worship in ways that meet the needs of this current time. 
Putting bead bags down for children may be inconvenient for some, and yet some kids love it. So then let's turn to the bigger question, the reality of life in our world. None of us can solve the problems of water supply, war, famine, the injustice of politically driven withholding of food from communities. None of us can solve any of these problems on our own. Yet we can all do something to assist those whose life work is in those spaces. We can pray. We can gain a closer affinity with the needs of others and also develop deeper gratitude for and generosity towards the abundance of material things that we enjoy. We can give. We can give money to the work of the parish here. We can give money to organisations like the Anglican Board of Mission and Bush Church Aid that bring material resources and the light, life, love and hope of Christ to communities in many and varied places with particular needs. We can support Anglicare's really important work in the community, especially as they expand their work in the area of domestic violence. Our Trinity family support partners do wonderful work with people in our, uh, with families closer to home. And I'm excited to be meeting soon with Glenda, our missions advocate, to plan for ways our church community can continue to support pregnancy and family support, Mamas Helping Mamas, Baby Give Back, and many other organisations that Anne and Bowen work closely alongside. We can serve. We can contribute to life in our community and make it a great place to be and to welcome others. Next week, we will publish the many ways that are available to serve throughout 2022. You may not have the energy for making decisions about that right now, and that's really okay. There's no pressure to do so. But giving some thought to how you might serve may actually bring you some hope and help you to see the positive contribution that you are able to make, where each of us bring what we can and help create a community where the glory of God is revealed, where grace is a hallmark of the way that we do life together, living in the truth that God's love is for all people. No one is beyond the reaches of God's love. And that in the midst of the grind and messiness of human life, God's presence continues to be transformative. This water into wine story is an epiphany story. What revelation and realisation does it offer you today? Amen. going to stand together and sing Living Hope.